Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Well, it's the first Sunday in December. Not not December cold outside yet, but uh, we're getting there, and it's Chris Slow and Jason Swain with his lovely bride here tonight on The Nation. And a special guest, and a really special guest, sitting in tonight as engineer, extraordinaire Brian Rogers and his lovely fiance. So a lot of special guests on hand here tonight, Jason Swain. And, but, you know, probably the busiest, most interesting day in college football today, every year, especially today, especially as we say goodbye to the college football selections with a four-team format next, week, next year going to 12 teams. And um, a lot of joy in Tuscaloosa, Swain. A lot of outrage in Tallahassee right now, man. As Bama gets in over Florida State, I was in Atlanta last night, and the later it got, the more people I talked to, the more feel I had that this was probably going to happen. When you take down a team that hasn't lost a game for the better part of the last three years, and you win 11 in a row, and you have more wins over anybody in the committee's rankings than anybody else, that um, I just had a feeling that Bama, even though Florida State was unbeaten, and coupled with the fact that Florida State lost its quarterback, which is a terrible break for Mike Norvell. You hate that to happen to any team. The Bama was probably going to get in. And guess what? That's what happened. Yeah, it's good to be here on a double date with uh, with Brian and you as a third wheel tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, am I supposed to be sad, Chris? Because I'm trying to, to be sad. As, as a Tennessee guy, this is, this is lovely. Uh, I do feel bad for Florida State. I mean, those players – did everything that they were asked to do, go out there, play hard, win every game. They, they've done that. They have battled through adversity. Their leader, their best player in the team, their quarterback gets hurt. They go out and they, they, they lean on defense. Last time I checked, you can win games on defense and special teams, not just on offense. But um, they go undefeated. You can't keep Alabama out of it. I mean, they beat Georgia. They are the SEC champions. Uh, they lose to Texas early in the season. You can't keep Texas out of it. Um, Washington handles business against Oregon for the second time. And then, you know, Michigan, um, they've been dominant all year long. So this was bound to happen, though, Chris. When you think about five power conferences and only four spots, it was bound to happen. It just happened the last year of the four-team playoff. But every other year, it's worked out to where the best team – um, best four teams have gotten in. It's always worked itself out except for this year. Well, we certainly like to thank our friends at uh, Mortgage Investors Group for making the nation possible each and every week, the number one lender in the state of Tennessee. You know, part of the living can be a little rough. Yeah, you're constantly worried about your music or TV being too loud. That happens all the time at the Swain household. Uh, hearing your noisy neighbors in the middle of the night, fighting to find a parking spot or thinking about maintenance being in your home and any time really can get old. Instead of sending your monthly payments to your landlord's pocket, put them to work for you and start thinking about owning your own home. And if your own 
current home feels cramped, don't fret. Expanding your space, be it through buying a bigger home or refinancing, to add much-needed guest room is more achievable than you might think. Let the experienced team at MIG show you how. MIG.com, the people you need to go to if you're refinancing, you're buying a new home, looking around, they're your folks every single time. Uh, Tennessee gets its bowl assignment today, going back to the Citrus Bowl. Remember when the Citrus Bowl in Tennessee was sort of in the same sentence was a, was a bad thing? What, what was the old Spurrier joke? You couldn't spell Citrus without a U and a T? Yeah, that's, that's what I hear. And that's, here that's the balls are in the Citrus Bowl. I, really, probably, if you looked at all their bowl possibilities, this is the best possibility, and it happens. They go to Orlando. They play that high-scoring Iowa juggernaut. Um, and, and, again, not only the best probably destination for Tennessee, Swain, but I think the best matchup because Iowa could play – I think they could play 10 quarters in a game and be maybe could score 10 or 12 points. They just haven't scored all year long. Now, defensively, special teams are solid, but it, it, it's certainly not a game where if you're Tennessee, you're going to feel like you need to score 38 or 40 points to win the game. But it's on January 1st. Uh, 1 o'clock, ABC, they're at Camping World Stadium. If you haven't had a chance to go to Camping World Stadium in a while, man, last few years, or several years ago, they made they spent a ton of money and really upgraded that state. That place used to be a dump. Mm. And they've really done a nice job of renovating it and upgrading it. It's, it's a nice place now to go to a football game and watch football. But the Vols and the Hawkeyes on January 1st, ABC and the Citrus Bowl, Surprised? Did you think that's where they're headed, or, or did you think it might be Tampa or Jacksonville? Yeah, I was. I was thinking one of the three between Tampa, Jacksonville, Orlando. Uh, you know, with Ole Miss being able to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, I felt more and more confident that Tennessee would would either go to Orlando or Tampa. Tennessee has the best matchup, I think, the most favorable matchup in bowl season uh hard to find a team that has a more favorable matchup i mean you look at georgia against florida state florida state was out is without their top quarterback but how many of those georgia players are going to really really want to be at that bowl game after being used to winning championships and competing for championships uh i'm sure kirby is going to try to send a message but at the same time, I mean, this is these are 18 to 22 year old kids, and if you add the COVID year and all those uh, things to it, it's 18 to 25 year olds. So, how how much will those guys be ready to play? I think Tennessee's in a perfect spot going up against an offense that, quite frankly, Chris, it was it was it was hard to watch last night. My eyes were bleeding. Yeah, and um, and, and, and to give Kirk Ferentz, Coach Ferentz, who's been there, gosh, I think he's been there back. Before I was born, <laughs> he's the longest, uh, longest-serving tenured coach in major college football, and uh, they won ten games this year in the regular season. Now, I know everybody's going to say oh. it was the Big Ten; their schedule wasn't that hard, but they did. So they're pretty resourceful, found ways uh, to win football games. But I agree. I think when you look at all the potential scenarios, all the potential matchups for Tennessee, I don't think they could have picked a better one. And you know, this is sort of where we are now in college football. Any game that's not a playoff game, a bunch of your stars that are draft eligible aren't going to play. And I'm, Tennessee will have a few. Yeah. You know, that's just the way it is. And um, probably changes a little bit next year when you go to 12 teams and you go to the playoff. There are going to be more teams involved. But we will get to a point, Swain. Mark it down. This date, 
where we're going to have a playoff game, whether it's next year, two years, four years, where there's going to be a kid who, who opts out for a game in the playoff. That's going to happen. I can't, I can't think of anybody on Tennessee's team that would benefit from sitting out. I feel like they need the bowl game. Yeah, but how many how many kids do you see on every – and I'm not just saying just Tennessee, but every year do you see kids opting out. I do. And you're thinking, why the heck are they opting – what are they opting out for? I mean, what's what's the rationale? What, why, why would you opt out? You know, every year I see, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 players are opting out, maybe more, when it's another chance, as you said a few weeks ago, it's another chance to play, to put another game on tape. Yeah. Uh, a lot of you know, a lot of eyes on those games in the postseason. A lot of scouts watching. You know, do you still want to play? I mean, you go back to the kids that you know, and, and they were going to be top five picks anyway. Will Anderson and and Bryce Young, but they played last year in a Cotton Bowl game. It wasn't a playoff game. And I think in talking to a lot of people who are scouts now in the NFL, listen, if you're sold on a kid, you, you don't really care whether he plays in the bowl game or not. All right, but if if there's some doubts or it's close between you and few other players i think that makes a difference i feel like if tennessee picked up the matchup against north carolina then if you're drake may there's no point in playing the game i mean because you're going to be a top five pick you're going to be the second quarterback off the board more than likely um i mean that's a scenario where it makes sense but i look at tennessee's roster i mean so if uh, joe milton needs this game yeah no he does so if anybody doesn't play i mean who would it be? I mean, is there anybody that you think just won't play? Or do you think there's a chance we'll see everybody play? I think, I think we'll see everybody. I don't, I don't see anybody on this on the squad that's going to sit back and go, you know what, my draft spot is already solidified. I don't need this game. No, you, you, you need this game. I think it's a big reason why, Chris, this team is 8-4 and four because you don't have the same NFL players on this year's team as you had last year. And Darnell Wright had every reason to sit down. Right, first round. Yeah, but he but he didn't. And so, uh, you know, Hendon, he was he was hurt and so we didn't yeah. see if he would go if he was if he would opt out or not. But I don't I don't see anybody on this Tennessee team that's in a good enough position to, to sit out. Jalen Hyatt what was Jalen second, third rounder last year? Jalen Hyatt, yeah. Jalen Hyatt sat out. Yep. But, you know, but there was some talk that he would be higher than that. He slipped. Yeah, he slipped. It was disappointing. And, yeah. I, and I don't think that's because he set out. No. But, I mean, it's just, you know, if a kid thinks he's going to be a first or second round pick, typically, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to sit out. So, if you just heard, we, we talked about the outside of the show. Uh, the playoff rankings are in. Uh, Michigan, number one. Washington, number two. Texas, number three. Alabama, number four. Uh, so, it's Michigan, Alabama, and the Rose Bowl which I'll be catching that jet out to L.A. later this uh, month. You guys are welcome to go if you want to, Swain, you and the missus. Um, in the Sugar Bowl, it is Texas and Washington. Steve Sarkeesian's old team, once upon a time, he was a head football coach at Washington. And uh, did you see the reaction? They, you know, Alabama didn't have a watch party. Oh, no gathering. Nice. They had the re- vintage save. They had the regular uh, Sunday meeting at 3 o'clock. <laughs> you know, nothing changed. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. But Florida State had a watch party, man, and you just your heart just ate. You just saw those kids. The life just came out of them yeah, when they showed tough. Alabama. Showed the Michigan watch party. Uh, didn't see anything in Texas. They showed the Texas watch party. Sarkeesian was up front. Did you see Michigan's reaction, I though, sure did. when they, they showed were, Alabama at four? They were, not, they were not excited at all. Almost pretty good. I thought the reactions were perfect. Look at Texas. That program, have they have not won big. They have not won a conference championship since 09. 
They have struggled for years and years and years. Their reaction was perfect. They celebrated, right? You look at Alabama, they're used to being in this conversation. So they didn't have one. Uh, Michigan, they've been through so much adversity. Harbaugh, this is his first game back after three or four. And so they, they were already down there um, in Indianapolis after beating Iowa. So, yeah, like the reactions I thought were, were pretty spot on. Um, Washington, they didn't have one because their coach is super, super, super confident. I mean, they were in. They, oh, yeah. they were locked. Yeah. Michigan and Washington were both locks. But yeah, I mean, your your points well taken. I, uh, you know, I I got I want I want to really dive into the teams before I start making a lot of predictions. There's a lot of time to do that. But Steve Sarkeesian, man, has pressed all the right buttons with his Texas team this year. Mm-hmm. Ewers has played great. They've got guys in the skill positions that have made big plays defensively right there in the middle of that defensive line. They got some men. I mean, they got some dudes. Uh, you know, again, I, I'm not going to say who I think is going to win because I don't really know yet. Had had enough time to sort of look at the matchups and everything. Who's healthy? Kool Aid McKinstry, you know, as an example, got a concussion. Now you would think you would clear that in time to be able to play. So I, you know, who's healthy, who's not? But Texas right now, with the sort of the, the swagger and the edge that they're playing with. Um, and they're a pretty complete football team. When you look at them up front defensively, they got weapons on the outside offensively. They got a quarterback who's played really well uh, in yours. Uh, you know, it's that's they're going to be a tough team to beat. Let's take a break here. Segment number one here. We're at the Texas Roadhouse Morrell Road, and uh, we'll be back here on the Nation in just a couple minutes. Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. (laughs) I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell, and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. (laughs) Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real, because just business is better business. Visit JustCapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Welcome back to the nation, Chris Slow and Jason Swain. It's bowl announcement Sunday, playoff announcement Sunday, as we said earlier in the first segment, the Vols and the Hawkeyes in the Citrus Bowl. It's actually the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. You like Cheez-Its? I woke up feeling cheesy, Chris Lowe. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a big Cheez-It guy. My kids like them, so if I find one on the floor, I, mean, I might pick it up within five seconds and eat it. But, yeah, again, going to Florida, Orlando, that's the, the, the sort of the, of the Florida Bowls. Outside the Orange Bowl, that's the premier bowl. Second year in a row, or is it the third? No, second year in a row the Vols have gone to Florida for a bowl game, obviously winning the Orange Bowl last year. You know, you look around the SEC mm-hmm. uh, at bowl assignments, Alabama, as I said, in the Rose Bowl playing Michigan. The Cotton Bowl, Eli Drinkwitz, who, <laughs> who's coaching the year, Saban or Drinkwitz? It's, it's, it's probably Drinkwitz. This yeah, part. I mean, because Alabama started the season ranked, what about, what did they start, seventh, sixth? 
Yeah, to see where Drinkwitz yeah. in Missouri came from and where yeah. they are right now, you got to get a nod to And clearly his most complete football team at Missouri since he's been there. Uh, Missouri and Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl ought to be very interesting. That's a December 29th game. Uh, the Orange Bowl, I'm sure what will be a very inspired Georgia team against Florida State. Boy, you talk about two teams did not give a – you know, I don't want to say this because you never know, but the, the give-a-crap factor – you wonder where that is with both Florida State and Georgia in that bowl. That's the Orange Bowl, December 30th. The Snub Bowl. On ES, the Snub Bowl. I like it. Yeah. And the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, your boy, Lane Kiffin, leads Ole Miss in to play Penn State. That's a noon game on December 30th. So you've got, what, one, two, three, four SEC teams in either the playoff or New Year's Six Bowl, which to me defeats the narrative out there. This was a bad year for the SEC. Were there some – Disappointing losses in non-conference games, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I still think the overall depth and the grind and certainly the strength of the league at the top when you throw LSU in there too. They got the Heisman Trophy winner. And I haven't, I can't say who I'm going to vote for. We're, we're sort of bound not saying publicly until you cast your ballot. But I just got a feeling Jaden Daniels is going to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he should. Um, the Texas Bowl, Texas A&M and a Big 12 team, the Gator Bowl. Kentucky playing in the Gator Bowl, uh, really, I won't say saving their season, but at least helping their season look a lot better, beating Louisville the last yep. game of the regular season. Uh, the Music City Bowl in Nashville, Hugh Freeze and Auburn there for the December 30th game. The ReliaQuest Bowl, LSU versus a Big Ten opponent. Uh, that's on, that also in Orlando, I should say. No, the, and, and then, as I said, Tennessee and Iowa. And the cheese at Citrus Bowl, January 1st, 1 p.m. Eastern time. All right, staying on Tennessee, Swain, what's, to you, what's the priority right now? They're trying to keep kids, the kids they want from yeah. transferring, and then all the while looking around and seeing who's out there, who they can add to the mix. What positions do you think specifically – that they will target and need to target in the portal? Well, the priority is first with your proven players on your squad, guys that you know can make plays for you that did it this past year. And then next you're trying to go to the portal and see if you are able to get players that you have a good feeling that can come in and actually contribute. I mean, we have some guys that, we got from the portal. Some of them contributed. Some of them uh, did not play up to kind of the standard and the hype. So you want to make sure that if you're going to go to the portal that you're going to get a productive player. And then also uh, equally as important is, is getting those, those high school early um, Sunday pledges mm-hmm. and making sure that they are uh, balls at the end of the day. But when you look at the positions that – Tennessee needs to address, well, you want to take the next step as a program. You saw last year how special last year was, winning 11 games. But the game you came short on was against Georgia. And the reason why you came short is because of the trenches. Well, this year, Alabama, Georgia, Mizzou, Florida, the games you lost, the trenches were an issue. You have to address the trenches more. Offensive line, defensive line, I think – Receiver, you got to go look at receiver. Tight end is a position. You're losing two uh, older players there. Um, 
I don't want to say quarterback, but at the same time, and that's a difficult position to even look at, but you're talking about playing a either a redshirt freshman and having a true freshman as a backup or unless you're going to try to get Gaston Moore to come back. Um, but if you don't go and look at a veteran guy behind Nico next year, then you, you know you want injury away from some, some trouble. I think secondary, um, you're always looking for guys who can run. Who, who can defend in space, uh, linebacker, I think it's another position. Honestly, Chris, every position, if you, if you, if you want to ask me, I'm going to say every position. Yeah, I think you got to go get a veteran quarterback. I, 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 think think you're, I think you're taking a big, huge risk if you don't go get a veteran quarterback. But who wants to be? A, who wants to come in here knowing that they're going to play behind Nico? Somebody who's not afraid of competition, somebody who's not afraid to come in and you know, and granted, Nico is a, a, a tremendously talented kid. But he's never scratched at this level. He's your guy. He's the future. Ain't no question about that. But I still think you try to find somebody um, who who wants to come in here because it, it it's just it's just a huge gamble. If, if he goes down, even if he's not, even if it takes him a while to sort of gel and become who they they feel like he's going to be. It's nice to have somebody standing over there that you can go to. Yeah. Um, and you look at next season's schedule. Um, I mean, <laughs> that schedule next season. But, you know, nobody's schedule, Swain, in the SEC is going to be easy next year. No. Uh, with, with Texas and OU coming aboard. But I, I, you know, I, I still think that um, that having that guy. And I think you got to shore up the offensive line. I mean, Cade Mays has – or Cade Mays, excuse me. Cooper Mays has not made a decision. What he's going to do is he stayed as he come back. Uh, if you lose him, uh, you, you really sort of have a, you know, you you've got a several big holes to fill up front, and and that's where you know you look around the country, teams have have been able to really shore up gaps by going out and getting and hitting and, and emphasis on hitting it right in the offensive line. And I agree with you, God makes some plays on the outside. I think going to getting somebody. Like that, um, yeah, they're going to be pretty important for Tennessee. You know, bowl games. We probably all of us fans, media, make sometimes too much of bowl games. The whole landscape's changed so dramatically mm-hmm. now. Kids don't play. It, it's just the, everything is geared toward the playoff. It really is almost like your first spring scrimmage. It really is your first spring scrimmage in late December, early January. Well, you look at the last couple of recruiting classes for Tennessee. Heupel and company, they've made it a priority to go out and recruit players who can be early enrollees. I mean, when Heupel took over, it was no doubt that it was going to be a tough rebuild. But that doesn't mean you are okay with doing it slow. You want to do it as fast as possible. And the way you do that is acquiring really good talent who can come in a semester early, get the bowl games under their belt, get the spring semester. out and get more comfortable with the offensive system or the defensive system. So uh, this bowl game will allow some of those young players that you look at is uh, probably an early contributor next year for you. You want to get them prepared and ready, ready to go. So the games matter for different teams for different reasons. Uh, the, the games matter for different players for different reasons. And some of the games don't matter for all the players. And, and that's okay. But there's a lot of players that need this game to prove that they don't need to be pushed out and pushed into the portal by their coach. 
Uh, there's players that, that have to prove that they can play at the next level, and so they want to continue to uh, help their film. And then the old school way, the old school way of thinking, Chris, is it's a football game, and you keep a score. You want to play because you want to go win, and you want your last game, whatever school you play for, to have great memories that you can take with you for the rest of your life. And unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to experience that. I lost my last game as a Tennessee Vol. I think about it from time to time. But that's also a motivating factor to want to play this game and finish feeling good about your career at whatever school that you're playing at. Um, one more nugget, one more bold nugget before we take our second break. The pride of Carryville, Tennessee, Jamie Chadwell, has his Liberty team in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Unbeaten, first year there. Uh, they play Oregon, uh, which will be a tough assignment Woo. by far. Far and away the toughest team they played this year. But still, in year one at Liberty to do what he's done, congratulations to Jamie Chadwell from right up the road here. Former Tennessee quarterback. In Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, speaking of former Tennessee quarterbacks, Caden Salter, his quarterback, had a great yeah, year. Yeah. It was awesome. Got some trouble here at Tennessee. Uh-huh. Uh, left in his uh, sort of – I was talking to Jamie earlier this year about him, and he says, you know, how much he's grown up, not only on the field but off the field and become a leader and, and really been a, uh, as far as a dual-threat guy who can give defenses trouble running and passing. He's been that guy for the Flames this year. We'll see, be interested to see how he does against an Oregon defense. It's got several pros on it. That game uh, in Tempe, or actually Glendale, Arizona, 1 o'clock on 1 p.m., I should say, on January 1st. All right, let's take our second break here. On the Nation, he's Jason Swain. I'm Chris Loeb. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. All right, welcome back to segment three here on the Nation. We're at Texas Roadhouse where it is, as usual, not just Sunday night, but every night rocking. Great place to come eat, bring the family. Swain with a uh, Caesar salad tonight. Going light, huh? Yeah, man. training? Yeah, we're going to the beach, man. Uh-oh. And I'm wearing a Speedo. Now, when are you going to the beach? For the game. Tennessee's playing a ball game against... Iowa. I didn't know there was a Orlando. beach in Orlando. We're going to find one. You're going you're, you're to go, like, to to the Gulf Coast or something like that over I'm, to Tampa? I'm finding some sand. I'm finding some Here's sun. a big question. Here's a big question. You taking the girls to Disney? It's gonna be, that's going to be tough to pull, man. Huh? That's going to be tough to pull up. Come on, man. These girls have been good all year. They deserve a trip to what Disney. Are they, what are they getting Christmas presents? I'm going to talk to all of them about it. Later tonight, I'm going to give them all a call and see what they think about it. Uh, all right, let's get back to, to what happened today. <laughs> did you think Bama was going to get in last night? Absolutely. Did you? They deserve to be in. I mean, they, they won the SEC championship. But see, there we go. Like the old Clint Eastwood line. Was it Unforgiven where he says deserves got nothing to do with it? it, it is it the most – and, and I, Both. I blame the, the – the, I say the committee. The powers that be that set up the playoff because from the get-go they said it ain't the four most deserving teams – it's four best teams. Well, a, best is a pretty vague term, right? And, and, and to me, you could say these are the four teams that I can make the strongest case should be in. These are the four teams I would least like to play right now. These are the four best teams based on what they've done over the course of the entire season. It's sort of a moving target. But if you really, to me, if you really want to say, all right, we want to have a credible playoff with four teams that right now – are the four best teams in football, then Washington's got to be one of those four. I think Michigan's got to be probably one of those four. And I think Georgia 
to me, it's hard to leave Georgia out of that four. Now, they didn't play. I grant you they did not play or win as many games against top 25 teams as an Alabama did uh, or even a Texas did. You know, Texas and Alabama, to me, have the two best wins in college football this year. Mm-hmm. Alabama goes to – excuse me, Texas goes to Tuscaloosa, wins by 10 points. Bama beats Georgia, Neutral you side. know, 35 miles from Athens. The yep. team had won 29 straight games. Those are the two best wins in college football. But, you know, Washington beat Oregon twice. Yeah. There, there's teams that check both boxes, best team and most deserving. Since we want to separate them, it seems like that's what everybody's trying to do. How about we look at which team checks both boxes? I think Michigan checks both boxes. I think they're one of the top four teams in, in the country, and they certainly are deserving. They won their conference championship. They beat Ohio State. And then you look at Washington. They beat Oregon twice. They win their conference. They're undefeated. Then you look at Texas. They win their conference championship. They beat Alabama on the road. And then you look at Alabama. Today, they are one of the best four teams in the country. And they won the SEC, which is the hardest conference in the land. Is Georgia one of the best four teams? Yeah, they they are. Um, But are they deserving? Are they one of the most four most deserving? No, because they didn't win the conference. So... This will be fixed next year, but for, for now, um, there was going to be one team left off if you have multiple or more than four conference champions. Yeah, the goalposts have moved uh, Absolutely. A, a couple different times this year. This is, a, what, the 10th year of the playoff? 14 was the first year. You know, I can remember back when um, uh, Penn State mm-hmm. won the Big Ten. What was that, 15? Beat Ohio State. Ohio State got in. There was a lot of squawking about that, but Ohio State was the best team that year. There, there was another one with uh, Jimbo, Texas A&M. It was a COVID year. Right. They Clearly, and, and they were a better football team than Notre Dame that year. Yep. It wasn't even close. And that was all. And that the other thing about 20 was that was an all-SEC schedule. You played 10 games that year against yep. SEC school. Mm-hmm. People forget that. And they lost one game. They're still the – I think other than Georgia – so Georgia becomes the second one-loss SEC team to not make the playoff in the playoff era. So you can go back. There was a, there was another year. Remember the year that Michigan? I think Michigan State or Ohio State missed the field goal. It was your Michigan State got in and Alabama beat them by like fifty, uh, and they upset Ohio State late in the season. It was a cold game. I think it was sleeting. Ohio State was a better football team that year. Yeah, didn't get in. Uh, and I think it just sort of changes every year. And, and I do agree with you that it's it's hard to. You know, a lot, there was a lot made yesterday and this week about Texas versus Alabama. Listen, if it came down to those two teams, no way Alabama gets in over Texas, nor no. should they get in. No. Because in football, and you played at the highest level, uh, head-to-head, man, it's not basketball where you play a team three or four times a year. No. It's not baseball where you play three-game series. You play one time in football for the most part. And when you beat somebody on their turf by 10 points. That means something. That means something. It's like times three. Yep. So if it had gotten down to Bama and Texas, no way. Florida State, again, losing their quarterback, not being a very impressive football team without their quarterback. Uh, and then I think the metrics. Alabama had them in strength of schedule. Alabama had won more games against top 25 teams. And, I, and, the, and the biggie, I think the one that sealed it, was beating a Georgia team. That's the best win in college football in three years. It really is. 
uh, and, and beating them the way they did, uh, one by three, but pretty much control the football game. Uh, it's I think that's that's where we are. And you now next year you say everything will be solved. You know what? There'll be, I guarantee, you, the thirteenth, the fourteenth, and the fifteenth team are going to be belly aching about they should be in. And, and we still, we Swain, we still don't have any definitive answer on what the playoffs going to look like. Are we going to have five automatic qualifiers? And seven at large, you know the, the the initial proposal was six and six, but now that the Pac-12 is no more, yeah, you know, well, the, you know, there was a proposal by Mark Keenum, who is the president of Mississippi State. He's also the chairman or the chairperson of the college football playoff committee. A year ago, a year and a half ago, proposed a twelve-team playoff with no automatic qualifiers. It's just one. One through twelve, the committee ranks you one through twelve. So, if you're the SEC champion or you're the Big Ten champion, you don't automatically get in. Will there be more talk about that? You know, because hey, Florida, Florida State is a power. They are the first Power Five, unbeaten, conference champion to never get in the playoff. So, in, in their, if you look at it from their perspective, what does winning a conference championship really mean? Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions. The game's going to continue changing over the next few years with the playoff, with exp- not expansion so much, but conference realignment. you got SMU, that, that Atlantic Coast Conference, traditional power SMU. Yeah. you got Cal. Uh, Florida State. You know, Florida State already didn't want to be in the ACC. They made that patently clear this year, right? They, they have. And, and now, now they get shafted. And I say shafted, but they get left out. And they're the ACC champion. You know, it's nothing. They, they, they're going to be trying to get out. And, and look at the top. I, I did this a minute ago. Look at the top 10 or 12 teams in the rankings. The, the final rankings, the BCS. Or BCS. There you go. Sean Mays. Playoff. I think all but one will be either in the Big Ten or the SEC next year. So two conferences, two conferences have completely taken control in college football, which is why I say – and continue to say, pretty soon here down the road, you're going to have one entity, one super conference that plays its own playoff with its own rules. Uh, I can promise you that's coming. All right, let's take our last break here on the nation. We're at the Texas Roadhouse. Uh, be back in just a couple minutes. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy-low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen. All right, back for the final segment here on The Nation. Once as always, it's just like riding a bicycle. Brian Rogers back as engineer, just sort of subs right back in for the legendary Jay Lyford, and the show has... Couldn't go any more smoothly, and uh, we appreciate him being back here. I, uh, Swain, as I, as I think uh, ahead to Tennessee's bowl game and you taking the Swain girls to Disney World, I know, A, they're going to have a great time. Huh? Uh, B, <laughs> B, how, how in, 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 all, in all honesty, how important is it, you know, it's not been the kind of season anybody on Rocky Top had hoped for. You lose four games, and really it's sort of the way you lost them, you know, you, you you, you didn't finish any of the last – you didn't score a point in the second half in your last three losses. 
You know, and and you won some close games. You know, you sort of gutted that game out against Texas A&M at home. Um, you won a close one against Kentucky. But so how important do you think for any program you played, you know what, coming off a bowl win versus a bowl loss. I remember in, in, in 04 when you guys won at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. And and there was all this offseason. I mean, you guys were ranked, what, top ten preseason? Uh, two. Were you that high? Uh, well, you would know. Yeah, so, yeah it was two. And, and then, of course, 05 was not a good season. But So as a player, in Tennessee, most of the kids on this team will be coming back. How important is it to win a bowl game, to go into off-season workouts as far as momentum, feeling good maybe about putting a little bit of an exclamation mark on a season that wasn't as fulfilling as you hoped it would be? This is an opportunity, Chris, to get a signature win. I mean, you look at the A&M win. I mean, A&M has a new coach now. Uh, Kentucky's not, not that great. South Carolina, they're not even going to a bowl game. Uh, the teams that Tennessee beat this year, not all that impressive. Well, last year Tennessee was number one in the country in the first college football rankings because they had so many impressive wins. The bowl game will be Tennessee's opportunity to get your only signature win of the season, to play and beat a team ranked in the top you know, 15 or 20. You know, I was pretty, pretty high, highly ranked. Now, before losing to Michigan in the Big Ten Conference Championship. So, that's how I look at it. Obviously, there's there's guys that will be affected by finances, whether they get into the portal or they want to leave or they want to go to the NFL, whatever. But this football team has a chance to get a signature win, period, point blank. And then if you, if, if you play Nico in this game, oh, man, you're talking about an opportunity to get some – some good reps versus a really good Iowa defense. What do you think? The, what do you think the chances are we see Nico some in this game? Because remember, and one thing we didn't point out, probably should have, bowl, bowl games do not count against your eligibility. You know, you got that four game window you can play, and it not count. You know, the year not count. So bowl game, even if you already played four, does not count. So what are the chances you think we see him at some point in this game? Chris, I think it just depends on the margin, the score margin. We haven't seen Nico go in a lot this year. And it, it, only when we saw him is the reason why we saw him is because Tennessee was up by a lot. So it's hard for me to believe that we'll see like a rotating quarterback situation like Spurrier used to do back in the day where, okay, Joe gets a couple of reps and then Nico gets a couple of reps. Um the only way I see Nico playing is if Tennessee is, is up by a significant amount of points. I, w- I would love to see Nico. Uh, I want to see him, but I do understand kind of what's going on here. Joe's a senior. He's from Florida, you know, playing in Florida for his last collegiate game. I went back and checked. I said a minute ago of the, of the final ranked teams in the playoff committee's list. Uh, looking at it right now, just swing 12 of the thirteen will be either in the Big Ten or the SEC next year. That's a lot. 12 to 13. That's a lot. So you start talking about a, a sport where the concentration is in basically two conferences. Uh, it's – I look down that list, and, and, then, and Tennessee finishes 21st in the final rankings. You know, so they're there. So really, you know, it's – 
be very fascinating to me to see where we go from here in college football once those two super conferences, uh, the SEC and the Big Ten. Now, I, I give the Big 12 credit. The Big 12 didn't just sit on its hands. You know, it's, it's going to get the teams left over from the Pac-12, you know, like a Colorado. Like, you know, I haven't heard much talk about Prime the last four or five weeks. Sort of, he, sort of weird how that's died down. He was the Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year. Four and eight? Yeah, he's on the front of a magazine cover. Okay, I, that makes sense. All right, let's turn to basketball right quick. How worried are you about Rick Barnes' team? Uh, they've lost three games to top ten teams. Two of the games, they were right there in it. Last game against North Carolina, they got blown out. And then fall back to at least get within striking distance. Um, benefit more from those three games and those three environments, all of them away from home, Swain? Or is there reason to believe that this team's you know, got some holes that's going to catch up with them in SEC play? Two things concern me right now with Tennessee basketball. Number one, post-play. You know, Toby Awaka battling a uh, ankle. Got to get him he, healthy. He, brings, he yeah. brings a level of toughness, rebounding, that no one else on this team can, can bring. Now, um, you look at some of the young players that we have, they have opportunity to grow up and grow up really, really, really fast. They're going to have to, I think. Um, you got Jonas Adu, who's really, really good, you know, blocking shots. He's more confident on the offense side uh, of the court, shooting those wide-open jumpers from uh, free throw line extended. I mean, he's he has a nice stroke, and so he can make those. Uh, he has to be re- more careful getting himself in foul trouble because he's so valuable. And then the second thing that's concerning is Santiago Vescovi and, and how that played out at North Carolina, him not playing, him being a senior, experienced as he is, and basically getting benched for having a bad attitude. That, that's concerning. Yeah, there's a, there's a dis, some type of disconnect there. I, I don't know what it is. You know, he played great against Kansas. He did. The game before that, you know, and, and took care of the basketball, made big shots, created some baskets for guys. But whatever happened in Chapel Hill was, um, I mean, they – He's played too much basketball, and he's too good a player to be that much of a non-factor. Mm-hmm. And and people ask me about the three veterans, and I know we just got about a minute left, Josiah, Santi, and Zakai. I'll start with Zakai. I, I never felt like, nor did I think the staff feel like, that he would really be rounding back into where he, the kind of player he is until they got started in conference play. You just don't come off an injury no. like that. And miss as much time. And it's two things, and you know it from being an athlete. It's confidence in your knee and being in a in a rhythm. It's hard to go like eight months and not really play basketball, and then, bam, you jump right in and you're back in a groove playing basketball. So that's one. Josiah, I think, is going to have to still be more consistent. I want to see him go to the basket more, stronger, harder, get to the free throw line more. But he still does a lot of things that helps him, but it's consistency with him. They, they yep. need – they need to know what they're going to get from him every night. And then Santi, we'll see. Because with, with Connect scoring the way he does, if you can get Santi back to being Santi on the other side, it's a pretty tough cover. How about you? We got no, about- no, 100%. 100%. This team needs to shoot more shots from the free throw line. That number at the free throw line between North Carolina, uh, you know, not great for Tennessee. All right, Iowa, Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl on January 1st, 1 p.m. ABC. Uh Swain family going to be there. They've got fast passes, I understand, at Disney. It's going to be a big time. Thanks to Brian Rogers. We'll see you next Sunday on The Nation.
Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. <laughs> I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell, and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. <laughs> Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen.